Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hour three of the program. Glad to be back. We've got Carter Bryant coming up. Ben Mench talk World Series of Poker and... Look, I'm just over the national media all of a sudden fawning over Anthony Davis and acting like he knows how to build a championship team. I saw this story over the weekend where big article, I think it was on Bleacher Report, talking about they had a one-on-one sit-down with Anthony Davis on why uh, Anthony Davis knows the Lakers are poised for a championship. And I'm thinking, how in the world would Anthony Davis know if any team was poised for a championship in the NBA considering he hasn't even sniffed championship contention yet? That would be like asking me um, about, I don't know, syndicated radio <laughs> or something, uh, a national play-by-play job. I don't know. I thought it was just a little silly. Sports Libs also a little bit later in the hour. And a little Rory McIlroy and the British Open, which is going to tee off, what, in about three hours from now? Three, four hours from now? It's pretty crazy. No, actually two hours from now. A British Open. Let's go to the phone line. Bill in Homa, though, first. You want to talk a little NFL we were talking about before. How's it going, Bill? It's going fine, Seth. Uh, you brought up an interesting point earlier about the injuries in the NFL, the concussions and the other injuries and things like that, and stretching the season to 18 games. And with so few players actually playing a full 16-game season, uh, it makes a lot of sense that there's so many injuries in the NFL – I would have loved to see some stats on the life expectancy of the average NFL player compared to the average American male. And I know today's insurance companies have all these stats, but I I would say it's around 76 years of age, the average American male's life expectancy. And I'd like to know the longevity of NFL players in comparison Going back maybe 60 years, looking go back 60 years to the Jim Brown era, and any player who played in the NFL, say a period of at least five years, and then coming up with those stats would be very, very interesting. Yeah, I've I've seen a couple of different stats, Bill, on this. I think there was a newspaper in Florida, I want to say, earlier in the decade that did a study and reported that the life expectancy of NFL players was about 55 And then the NFL did a study and released facts that life expectancy for NFL players actually was greater than the average um, life expectancy of males in this country. And I think you're right. I think it was about 75 for men and a little higher than that for NFL players. Again, this is just off the top of my head. You can just Google this, but I'm almost positive that that was actually the case. So I guess it's kind of depends. Believe who you want to believe and depend on the study you want to believe on. I'll be honest, 55 seems a little oddball to me and the NFL did a pretty good job of kind of counterpointing that study by the Florida newspaper but google that and I don't have the answer for you there Uh, what I do know is that asking NFL players to play two extra games a year seems a little absurd I do I'm coming around to the idea of an 18 game schedule with 16 games for everybody but I want waivers in there. I want waivers for kickers, punters, long snappers, and, yes, quarterbacks because you can't build an entire roster around one player and then say, well, for a tenth of the year, two games, uh, we're not going to have that one player that we built our entire franchise around. It just doesn't make sense. 
people get paid more. I'm sorry to everybody who's not a quarterback out there. That's just the reality of the thing. Salary cap will increase. Roster sizes will increase. But, yeah, that's what I'd like to see happen. Thanks for the call, Bill. Let's bring on in Carter Bryant, host of the Carter Bryant Show on 107.1 FM and 1400 AM in South Arkansas. He's a stand-up comic. He's my friend, and he's on Twitter at Carter the Power. My friend, what's going on? Man, nothing much, Seth. I enjoyed our time so much together. And, and for those that don't know, we've probably done over 150 radio segments. It's probably somewhere in that ballpark. And we actually finally met for the first time what like just a few weeks ago it's nuts yeah i think it was it was a couple of days before i went on vacation so yeah two two three weeks ago something like that carter yeah yeah and 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 dude you are as handsome in person as you are on your twitter avatar (laughs) i I was like whoa man and you're like six foot six i I had no idea i really had no idea i was like god dog i'm Standing next to, to White Drew Holiday right here. This is this is amazing. Yeah, you say I'm handsome now, but you haven't seen my my face app pics, man. And I'll just say <laughs> that I it doesn't look like I'm gonna I'm gonna age well. I'm not gonna age well. This white's gonna crack, man. That's what I think. And the Russians have all your information now. It's all over, Seth. Oh my goodness. I know that's the freak out today, right? And I just kind of like, oh, whatever. What are they going to do? Put me on a billboard? Good. So whenever I don't visit Moscow, uh, Moscow, I lived in Moscow, Idaho. That's why I say it that way. Uh, whenever I don't visit Moscow, Russia, then they, I won't see that billboard they have me on. But I'll be, I'll be flattered. Um, we heard you heard us talking about the the regular season schedule for the NFL owners who proposed going to eighteen games. Carter, what do you make of it? Man, uh, I've heard of this rule where you force everyone to sit out for two games. Here's the thing, Seth, is that the NFL is going to squeeze every dollar out of the sport as they possibly can. And the thing is, is there have been multiple proposals about extending the season. One is let's stretch the playoffs out to an eight-game playoff schedule. Excuse me, eight teams from each, uh, each conference making it into the playoffs. That would be awful for the sport. Yeah. I would much rather have an 18 game schedule and then instead of having eight teams from each conference make the playoffs. Obviously, the best of all scenarios would the season, would be the season just staying the way it is. The NFL is so wonderful set because it's the perfect mix of every regular season game mattering, yet also one or two where you can slip up at the same time. It's a perfect mix of that. It's not to the extreme like college football where one loss just completely derails your season, and it's not to the point where it's like the NBA where the regular season absolutely means nothing. The NFL has a perfect balance right now, and I wish that they would never change it, but I do understand the inevitability of making more money, and I totally get that uh, from the NFL standpoint. But don't be greedy. Be like Gary Seinfeld, who said no to $5 million an episode before filming the last ever season of Seinfeld, which they never did. Be noble, Roger Goodell. Wait, is that true? Jerry said no to $5 million an episode? $5 million an episode. They offered it to Jerry to do it. And remember, this isn't just Jerry you'd have to be paying. You'd have to be... That would be huge paydays from Michael Richards, Jason Alexander, Julie Louis Dreyfus, and obviously um, 
Julia went on to have a pretty historic career herself. The other two, and eh, not so much. Michael Richards actually tanked his career. But yeah, that is true. Five million dollars an episode, and Jerry said no. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, World Series of Poker, you were all in. It was interesting following you on Twitter because I had no idea that – well, I didn't know you liked poker. I didn't know you were the, the main event fanatic that you were yesterday. And I got to tell you, Carter, that may have been the best, at least in the, the ESPN live televised era of these final tables, probably the best final table we've ever had. Yes, that was the best collection of, of players that I've seen at the final table and there's a lot of people complaining about the, the cheering sections. I actually liked it. I thought it brought a lot to the game. There was only one annoying player at the table. He got knocked out in fifth. I thought it was great. I thought the analysis was great. I thought everything from top to bottom was great. Uh, I did a video earlier on the World Series of Poker Hall of Famer who, um, uh, who, who didn't even win a bracelet, and he made it into the Hall of Fame over some other legends, David Oppenheim. Oppenheim, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and while they announced him that they made the World Series of Poker uh, Hall of Fame, he was sitting there with a nice buzz, a wonderful Vegas girl on his lap, and uh, just enjoying life, man, living the Vegas lifestyle. For, for those that don't really get it or might be even bored about poker, I mean, it's more it's come on. We all know people love Harris and whatnot. What makes poker very fascinating is that it truly is this one sport where a bunch of Joes could be sitting next to the absolute best players in the world. Like, there's never a situation where LeBron James and I will be on the same court in a legitimate basketball game. It's just not going to happen, even in my wildest dreams. But in poker, because of Chris Moneymaker, those dreams can become reality, and that's what makes it fun. It really does, and incredible coverage. We're going to have Ben Mentz on again, bottom of the hour, to talk about it a little more in depth. Pelicans, man, I haven't talked to you the last couple of weeks since you, know, you and I are kind of diehard Pelicans fans now, and heck of a summer. Made the semifinals in the summer league, but of course, haters coming out of the woodwork on Zion and his weight, man. What do you make of all this? Yeah, here's the thing. Anyone that knows New Orleans cuisine knows this. What kills you is not necessarily the great food. It's the soak. The soak is what gets you. It's whenever you eat a crawfish etouffee and you have that sauce left over and you have that extra piece of bread and you just want to soak it in, get that extra carbs. You've already mentally said, oh, I finished my meal. Oh, look, there's just a little bit more sauce. I'm going to soak this piece of bread and eat it. That just packs that extra carbs on. And that's the kind of weight that it looked like Zion Williamson gained uh, just from being in New Orleans that little bit of time. Yeah, you, you should be concerned about his conditioning. Even Coach K mentioned that his conditioning wasn't there. But obviously, I'm going to be an optimist. That's going to get taken care of. But to me, the biggest summer league takeaway were the other three rookies. Uh, the, the Brazilian was fantastic. He reminded me a lot of Leandro Barbosa from my diehard NBA fans out there. And Nikhil Walker, Alexander, and Sideshow Bob Hayes both looked like legitimate NBA players. And I want to ask you a question right now, Seth. I mean, R.J. Barrett looked very pedestrian. He did go to the Knicks. If someone were to ask me right now to put money on who would have a better NBA career, uh, Walker Alexander or R.J. Barrett, I would say Walker Alexander. I, I just don't Whoa. know what R.J. – yeah, I just don't know – Here's what R.J. Barrett's going to be. He's going to be Evan Turner. 
And I think uh, Walter Alexander will be a Darren Collinson type of player, a very productive guard in the league um, who could have some low-end 15.8 uh, assist potential down the road. I, I really like this game. I love this feel for the game. Yes, it's summer league, but the one thing that the summer league proved with those other draft picks is that the Pelicans, at the very least, have three potential rotational players in those three picks. Yeah, they really do. It's going to be incredible to watch this very deep roster and, and how they run the rotations coming up in just a couple of months once preseason and the, the season starts. We're talking to Carter Bryant, radio host, sports talk host on 1071 FM, 1400 AM in South Arkansas, at Carter the Power on Twitter. SEC Media Days, the Evil Empire, it was their turn today. And, of course, down here, everybody wants to talk about, is this finally the year LSU can catch up to Alabama, Carter? You've been following this all your life. You tell me. Can it happen? They can beat Alabama. They don't beat, Al they don't beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Here's what they do, do says. They win all their other games, and they make the college football playoff. That resume is just going to be too strong for them to be left out. I think LSU gets into the CSB playoff this year with one loss on the road against Alabama. I think Texas is a little bit overvalued. I know that game in Austin is going to be difficult. No matter what, if LSU just loses one game on their schedule, let's say they lose to Texas and somehow lucky to beat Alabama and a barn burner, they're getting into the college football playoff. Uh, and this also sets up to where, let's say LSU beats Alabama, they lose to uh, uh, Texas, and then they lose another SEC game, win the SEC championship, that resume still might be good enough to get into the college football playoff. I, I really like LSU's team. I, I love what they have at quarterback. I love what they have on the defensive line. And I think LSU has enough at head coach. Obviously, the new passing attack is going to be a big worry. We're going to see what happens with that. But I do think LSU, mark it down, Seth. All right. Mark it down, plus 500. Take the bet now. LSU, college football playoff, sneaking in there at the four seed as the first. Not why I say that. Ohio State wasn't either. But they're going to be a non-conference champion that will get into the college football playoff. Yeah, well, that would be interesting. Isn't it interesting to think about Alabama? How many losses would it take for them to get left out of this? It would take three in my mind. I think I think that you're going to get put in there with two losses. You'd have this the normal national talking head saying, well, this is the most talented team in the country, so they have two <laughs> losses, but they deserve to be in. I mean, it, it, is it going to take three losses for Alabama actually to be left out of this thing? Yeah, well, it doesn't take many because the college football media and the playoff committee needs to get with it. The SEC, they say all the time, Seth, it means more. It means more. It means more to us. First of all, that might be true. But you know what's funny and ironic is that while they say it means more, when it comes to conference games per year, it actually means less. No other conference in college football has fewer Conference games per year than the SEC, as the SEC said, has the worst schedule format, not only in college football, but in all of sports. It makes no sense at all that you have an eight-game conference schedule in a 14-team league with a permanent cross-division rival. It is absolutely silly. 
and something else that I found unbelievable. So, and it, it's amazing, Seth, that these coaches and, and Greg Sankey, the commissioner, gets away with talking about the stuff that they talk about on the podium and no one ever checks them about it. This just blows my mind that Nick Saban, a multi-million dollar head coach, said on the podium today that players should be restricted in the transfer portal. Now, we have seen it a gazillion times. Seth Frederick Dunlap the third of West Phillips, where players are allowed to immediately, excuse me, coaches are allowed to jump from job to job. But when the players start getting some of these waivers and are allowed to play right away, hey, no, we can't let this happen. We can't let the players have just a little bit of power in this non-for-profit scam that we call college football. That, to me, was interesting. And I also think Nick Saban spoke for a lot of coaches when he was at the podium because coaches are afraid they're losing power by the day. Yeah, well, I'm with you. If the coaches can go all over the place, let the players go all over the place too and, and benefit themselves. If I'm a regular student at LSU and I think uh, you know my communications career isn't going well or my education, I can go wherever I want. Football players should be able to do the same. I'm completely with you. Carter, good to talk to you again, man. We'll do it again next week. Thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. All right, there he goes. Follow him on Twitter, at Carter the Power. Listen to him every day in South Arkansas, 107.1 FM, 1400 AM. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, let's talk a little AD and also the World Series of Poker main event final table. Yeah, it's kind of the doldrums of summer. A little baseball, a little tennis. British Open, or the Open as they call it, starts tomorrow. But World Series of Poker was front and center yesterday. Ben Mintz coming up in just a little bit. Got to throw it to CBS News really quick. We'll table the Anthony Davis discussion maybe until tomorrow. We just kind of ran out of time. But coming up next, my buddy Ben Mentz from up in Shreveport and Boiser. Um, going to talk a little World Series poker final table. Fun stuff last night. That's next. That's right. Last night, World Series of Poker main event in the book. Second largest World Series of Poker main event field ever. Understand this is something that a lot of you don't really pay attention to much except for one, two days out of the year. Highly entertaining, however. Anybody who's watching that coverage last night live on television, I got to tell you, I don't think I've ever seen poker covered that well live. I really mean that. And I've watched a lot of it, obviously. But Hussein Ensign is your champion. $10 million first place prize. He defeats an Italian. And yeah, just must-watch TV yesterday. And I think everybody who actually watched it was enthralled. I loved all the chanting, the hooting and hollering in the crowd. I think maybe the old-fashioned poker traditionalists did not. I loved it. Let's bring on in Ben Mentz to talk about this. Host of Mixing It Up with Mentz in Shreveport and Bossier. 100.7 FM, the ticket up there, 3 to 6 p.m. every single day. And he's at Ben Mentz 531 on Twitter. Ben, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm doing good. I mean, I'm, I'll be honest, Seth, and uh, I love how fired up you were about the World Series main final table last night. I watched a lot of it as well. I'm still a little salty that uh, I hadn't had my favorite poker year this year and didn't get back to, to – I've done well in the main event twice, but we're, we're going to get them next year, and I'm feeling some serious momentum after watching that broadcast. There you go. So watching that last night, and I've read so much coverage and, and watched so much coverage post-reaction of it today, and it seems like – the, the common theme around there, and we'll get to the actual action here in just a second, was that this was 
the best final table of the television era, and I'm talking about the live TV era. I know there's some, you know, the Stu Unger days, those ones that were outside were probably the classic ones we'll never forget, or Johnny Chan um, winning his first one, also pretty epic. But would you agree yesterday is something and maybe uh, even a point in poker that will propel this into the future and like we never seen before, perhaps? Well, I love the enthusiasm, and I like that you brought up the crowd interaction and the fan chants. Look, traditionalists may not like it, but I love seeing people that fired up about poker. And, yeah, I know that you're not usually used to having to make million-dollar decisions while people are whistling and getting all fired up like that. But that's what we need in poker, man. It's good to have some enthusiasm and have it. It's an international game, too. And having a, an international main event champion that lives in Belgium now, it's Moran originally, is not the worst thing that could happen. Uh, the big thing for the WSOP broadcast, it was just that the, the malls, the kid from Chicago getting knocked out was the whole key because he uh, got fourth place, but he was terrible because he would just tank two minutes before every hand. And uh, I didn't like him, but the rest, everybody else was very, very likable, and I enjoyed the broadcast last night. Yeah, give me the Ben Mintz breakdown of the play, especially when he got to three-handed and then heads up because there, there were so many swings. And a lot of times when you get down to three-handed at these events, the you know, the, the chip stacks are just so uh, disparate that it's kind of a foregone conclusion who's going to win. We didn't see that last night. No, and uh, well, you know, Encon, who ended up winning it all, uh, he had the huge ship lead going into the final table, but things didn't necessarily break his way last night, and I got to give him a ton of credit for just showing a lot of composure. I mean, he's in the biggest moment of his entire life, and, you know, he, he had the big ship lead the whole way, and, you know, he had the deficit against San Martino, uh, heads up for a little bit after San Martino doubled up early. And I just thought the way he stayed composed in the event, I mean, you just got to give credit to that. Because the thing with the World Series of Poker Man event, I mean, you can try to act like it's another poker tournament. It's not. I mean, you, in poker, you never get to play for $10 million. And so the fact that he was able to bounce back when facing adversity impressed me. I didn't think that Dario San Martino played as well heads up as I would have liked. I thought he was incredible the whole tournament. And, I mean, he's – He's a world-class player. I'm not trying to discredit the guy who got second in the main event for a lot more than my net worth will ever be. <laughs> but but I just uh, – I, I don't know. He, he he heads up, he didn't seem real comfortable. And I, I thought that – he going in, I thought he was the most accomplished player going to the final table. Um, but, you know, who knows how you're going to act in that spot when you're playing for $4 million and to be the World Series of Poker main event champion and there's people screaming everywhere on the rail – I don't know if that moment would overwhelm me, to be honest. I'd just like to find out. Yeah, I mean, he was in a zone, Ensign, seemed like, at least when he got to heads up, 100 hands. It actually ended on the 100th hands of heads up play between Ensign and Sam Martino. Talking to Ben Mintz, mixing it up with Mintz in Shreveport and Bossier, 3 to 6 p.m. every single day, at Ben Mintz 531 on Twitter. So it was the second largest main event field of all time and i think just a couple of years ago ben you remember this when and then the the fields were decreasing the main event fields at least were decreasing every year and there was a lot of thought that well maybe the poker boom has finally gone bust it seems like it's going the other way now well it does and a lot of that goes back to online poker being outlawed in the united states in 2011 because the online used to feed in thousands of people into the world series of poker main event from around the world via satellites and so there was a lot of concern for a few years losing all that uh, would hurt. But what I found, Seth, is interesting. There's like a lot, there's a live poker reboom going on right now. And it's all over the country. And obviously you have 8,569 players in the World Series main, but 
you know, you even seeing it like in Mississippi this year was really good because the sports books, I thought, added new blood. And, you know, I, I play up in Oklahoma all the time, and all that Texas money's there. Blackhawk, Colorado is great because of Denver. And it's, it's literally like that all over the country. Florida's, South Florida's got a really good poker scene in Fort Lauderdale, Atlantic City with the Borgata. It seems like live poker is doing better right now than almost any time I can ever remember it. Uh, online, not quite the same, obviously, because the laws are still being figured out. But uh, it seems like it's a great time for live poker, and I'm, for one, thrilled to see it. Uh, for anybody who's listened to our segments, we've talked poker a little bit, Ben and I have on this program. We talked about Daniel DeGranu coming to the tournament. i got to tell you, Ben, Daniel had a great tournament. What, he cashed 16 times? And they get a prop mm-hmm. bet on that, and nobody was thinking, okay, you're going to cash 16 times, you're going to play all these events. Nobody thought that was possible. He actually did it. I was, I was pretty impressed. No, I was too, and he got second in the one. Because I remember you asked me on this show who had a better chance to win a World Series bracelet, Negronu or Helmies, and I thought Negronu's mindset was better, and he came awful close multiple times. Uh, ultimately, didn't didn't win one, but you know he's just a, he's an incredible player. He's a big time ambassador of the game, and the thing about Negronu too, he's not like so many of these kids, including me, even though I'm no longer a kid. There are all these people that are just good at no limit hold'em. But is good at every game. And those guys that can play Omaha low real well in all the mixed games. And, you know, in the World Series of Poker, that's a huge advantage. It's Ben Mintz here. Ben, and another thing that was kind of talked about, uh, not so much last night during the main, but throughout the, the World Series of Poker was what you just talked about, the, the influx of cash game players and the differences between cash game poker, which is for anybody listening, you just go into Harris or your local casino, you sit down on a table, that's a cash game. You can get up anytime compared to tournament poker. And I've kind of seen that as well, where even here in Harris, there was a time when every single night the tables would be full. A couple of years ago, that started not happening. You'd walk in on a Thursday, Friday night, and you'd only have 10 tables going when you used to have 18. It's kind of gone back to, well, you walk in there on a Friday, Saturday, you got 18 tables going again. And it sounds like you're seeing that kind of where you are and the the places you're playing around the country too yeah and also i want to compliment harris noel on this so uh, the big i lived down in new orleans from 09 to 14 biggest mistake i made was only being in there 10 to 20 hours a week instead of playing 40 to 50 and that was ultimately part of my undoing um i love the harris games because harris noel you attract all walks of life Seth, here's a list of some of the players i played with people i played with in harris michael phelps tony parker tim duncan russell westbrook T.I., the rapper, and Channing Tatum, and Ray Liotta. Those are all people that I've played with poker at Harris. There's no other place. No other place in the country you can say that. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I think I got I did I got onto a table with Kevin Hart one time, and of course he ran the show. He had his whole squad there. It was like me, one other guy, and then Kevin Hart. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, he came up here. He had a comedy show in Shreveport last year, and apparently he lost like fourteen grand at a cash game table at the Horseshoe that night. Unfortunately, I didn't get any of it. He was dumping. I actually saw him a different time there when one, a buddy of mine from California was in we playing poker, and he was playing on the table next to us. So I've seen him there uh, a mm-hmm. few different times. I know he's filmed a few movies here. So this is kind of the poker off season now, isn't it, Ben? Once you get to the main event, then people kind of take a break, and then you, once the circuit events start up in a couple of months, you, you kind of have that. I know there's some overseas events that are still going on. Yeah, well, the thing with poker is look, looking at it from a national perspective. Like people that watch the main event are curious about it don't play. The main event is the Super Bowl – the Masters, everything rolled into one. Because if you're not like a hardcore poker guy, you don't really care about anything but the main event. That's how big the branding of it is. But the truth of it is, is the poker never stops. And, you know, I'm excited, right? World Series of Poker Circuit 1920 is about to start up. 
Uh, there's a World Series of Poker. I go play near Dallas a lot. I'm in Shreve. Shreveport's only two and a half hours away from Dallas. Uh, Duran, Oklahoma has a World Series of Poker starting up this weekend. We have the Southern Poker Open at the Horseshoe and Bozier in a few weeks. And there, I mean, it, it never stops, to be truthful. I mean, it goes on all year. But as far as the mainstream, like casual fans caring, that's really only for the World Series. So, Ben, give us some tips and our audience some tips. If they want to go sit down and play some tournament poker, because that's what we're talking about here, they want to get into their local card room. And a lot of people listening after watching that yesterday probably are. They're going up uh, to, to Harris. They're going over to the Beau Rivage. They're going everywhere. I mean, I want to play in a tournament in my local place. Well, give us some tips for everybody as they head to those tournaments. Well, I think the biggest first thing I would say is, you know, a lot of people like to play home games for fun with their friends and are intimidated by going to the casino and going to the poker room. And I want to just tell everyone there is nothing to ever be intimidated about. It seems like a formal environment. It's not. Everybody in the South are really laid back, fun, good people. If you're going to get some people that will tell you your life story. But don't feel like if you do well in your home games with your friends, then you're not going to be out the casino too too often and i think a lot of people get a little bit of stage fright like oh man i like playing with my friends but i don't want to go in the casino and play with the heavy hitters there's nothing to be afraid of at all and you meet a lot of great people from all walks of life at the table as well yeah no doubt about it i had a tweet or a text to just refresh but they were asking uh seth uh give me a bankroll i need to become a professional poker player that's a little bit of a uh a tough (laughs) tough question to answer uh very succinctly on the radio i know ben well, no, but it's, it's an interesting one because it's it's all about where you live. Like, for example, for me, I live in Shreveport now. Where the cost of living is like one-fifth of New Orleans or one-sixth. So I could get by with way, way less money. Uh, a lot of it has to do with more your lifestyle and your discipline because let's be truthful, Seth. The poker world is full of wild characters, and what you see a lot is leaks away from the table. You know, if it, it, it was sports, it would be called off-field player concerns which we see all the time in the NFL, (laughs) but that's what gets people in poker. It's a lot of people that are kind of, you know, I don't want to say shady because that's the wrong term, but, you know, people that walk the edge of life a little more. And so, you know, you'll see a lot of people that are world-class poker players that are just disasters away from the table. And so I think the biggest thing you need if you want to be a poker pro is having discipline, treat it like a business, log all your hours, have a plan, stick to it, but don't let the – the freedom of being a poker pro is, is the, you know, what well, they say, idle hands of the devil's playground. I think that's the best way to put it. It's Ben Mintz, host of Mixing It Up with Mintz, 3 to 6 p.m. on 100.7 FM, the ticket in Shreveport and Bozier every single weekday. Ben, always appreciate the chats, my man, and we'll do it again next yeah, week. Yeah, man, I can't wait. I'll get you back on Mixing It Up soon talking to Bells. I think your coverage has been great. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, we'll do it. I'm back from vacay, so I'd love to do it. All right, dude, I'll talk to you again. Thanks again. Uh, there he goes, at Ben Mintz 531 on Twitter. Yeah, it was great yesterday watching that, uh, my last day of vacation. And, of course, I did not plan it that way but it coincided with the World Series of Poker uh, main event. was watching it on uh, my computer, as I could, uh, late last night, right as it completed or about completed about uh, midnight, a little after midnight, actually, uh, local time here. 504-260-1870, that's the phone number. Our text line is 87870. Here's a text from the 504. Seth, dude, you could have played for $10 million. Well, I could have, but had a vacation planned and... Let's be honest, I have not played a lot of poker in the last three years since I came back and doing radio full-time, so I was not in, let's just call it poker shape, to put up $10,000 for that tournament. But if you wanted to stake me, 
I would have played in it, no doubt. So go ahead and shoot me a text. You want to stake me in anything, I'm down for it. 504-260-1870. Text line is 870-870. The last lap continues on WWL. Welcome back to the show. Talked a lot of SEC media days and LSU football earlier. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll. One last chance to vote on it. Who will win the SEC? You tell us, WWL.com, radio.com app. Let's bring back in our producer, Logan Falgu, behind the glass, as it's the return of Sports Libs. This is, of course, the return of the last lap tonight. Logan, what you got for us? Uh, we got our standard five questions here, and we're just going to jump right in. That's I'm, okay with you. I'm down with standard, and yes, I'm down. Let's go. All right. First up here, I'm most excited for blank right now. Pelican season. Just going to be honest. I cannot wait until opening night in October. I want to see this team. I want to see Zion in game shape. I want to see J.J. Redick with this squad. I want to see Derek Favors in a Pelicans uniform. I want to see Lonzo run on the point. I want to see it all. Pelicans right now still has me. As a matter of fact, I'm wearing a uh, Pelicans polo tonight. Official team polo all the coaches were wearing during Summer League. Well, I think the excitement over the Pelican season is, you know, you and definitely about 90% of everybody else here yep. in New Orleans as well. Because ever since that Zion pick, it's it's been crazy over here it as far as Pelicans been goes. incredible. The shift in perception of this franchise locally. All right, next up we have, looking towards Saints training camp, I expect to see blank. I expect to see a lot of consternation by the fans over our wide receiver core outside of Michael Thomas that has been a big concern not just this year but also last year nobody stepping up outside of Michael Thomas I understand the injuries Ted Ginn and others but if Cameron Meredith can come back and if he is healthy I think he can contribute I think Traquan Smith in his second year He's going to be better, and he showed flashes last year being really darn good. I actually don't think it's going to be the problem some people think, but I know as we watch this training camp unfold and you see the videos of the drops and the interceptions and the, the missed routes and the wrong routes, it's going to happen. We're going to be, oh, boy. Are we actually going to have a productive receiver opposite of Michael Thomas? Let's see. All right, next one up here we have, I think these NFL season schedule changes will have a blank effect on the league as a whole negligible effect either way if they increase the the season by two games i mean it's going to be the same time frame from early august i'm talking about preseason games to early february for the super bowl you're just knocking off two preseason games i think from a fan perspective it just doesn't matter and let's be honest is any fan going to watch less or more of the nfl if they add two games even if players only play 16 no it's not this is just about money and I understand it's a business. You treat it like that. You try to make as much money as you can. But from a fan perspective, it's not going to matter one iota about growing the sport or growing the fan base. At least that's my view. All right. Next one up here. The Pelicans are keeping an eye on blank during the offseason, and we should be too. Carbs. Carbs. Carbs for Zion. You don't want them. Carbs for Brandon Ingram. You want them. You want them to bulk up a little bit. So, yeah, Carbs. Get him down there to Willie Mays a couple of times a week, Brandon Ingram. And, I don't know, Zion, you can come with me to some vegan restaurants I've been going to. I'm not vegan, but there's been some good vegan restaurants that I've been going to. It's great. All right. In the last year, we have people should be looking at blank right now. 
the full moon right behind me. Logan, I really mean this. Have you been seeing this right yes, behind me on been. my shoulder? It's right over my left shoulder here in the studio. It's incredible. It's right above the Crescent City connection. Maybe I'll tweet this picture out, but I've been kind of watching it all night long. So people, look outside. Be safe if you're driving. But if you can, this would be east, east, southeast. I'm trying to get my bearings straight here. Yeah, it'd be like east, southeast, full moon in the sky. It's beautiful. So that's what you should be watching. And we are. There it is. Sports slips. That's it. Yep. All that's right. It. I feel like I'm back in the groove here. That's it. I'm back in the groove. Good to go. A week away from training camp. Well, if you're a rookie, you're a day away from training camp. Wrapping up the show next, a little Rory, Rory McIlroy getting prepped for the British Open that will tee off in just an hour and a half. What? A couple of quick housekeeping items before we end the show. Falcons have reached a four-year, $57 million extension with linebacker Dion Jones. That'll keep him there, at least under contract, through the 2023 season. Also, Saints rookies report to training camp tomorrow. So it's here. Football season now officially here, folks. And the British opener, the Open, will tease off in about an hour, hour and a half from now. Northern Ireland, Port Rush. We're going to hear from Rory McIlroy. And just a little bit, he is the favorite, and he is from Northern Ireland, hometown kid there. I want to thank everybody who was part of the show, our guests, Carter Bryant, Ben Mitch, James Moran, and Scott Kushner. If you missed any of the show, remember, you can get it via the podcast, radio.com app, wwl.com, on-demand section, or Apple Podcasts. Final look at our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll. Who will win the SEC? 57% of you said Alabama, 34% said LSU. Thanks to Logan Falgu behind the glass, Diane Newman, our program director, Tim Zimmer for booking the show, Tom Manessis and Helen Santana helping out. I'm Seth Dunlap. Follow me on Twitter at Seth Dunlap. We'll keep the conversation going there. And as always, I leave you with our moment of zen. Here's Rory McIlroy talking about the pressure playing the open on his home turf. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.